What's going on, Connect Church PD in the house? You're in your house. I actually have a few people in God's house today here in person, so it's really exciting. I've been preaching for six months to nobody, and come on, I got somebody here going to say amen. Yeah, so I'm pretty pumped about that. So if you want to join us sometimes for our live recordings, you know, just look it up and... Uh, I'm sure they'll, we'll be able to make a way for you to be here. We're in a series. It's kind of a signature series. What I mean by that is it's, it's, a little, it's a little tick up in terms of importance as it relates specifically to our home church connect. And so um, I think it's one of the most important series of the year. The beginning of the year, God gave me a uh, kind of a word from the Lord, and the word was multiply, multiply. And, and then right after that word came, COVID hit. And I'm like, God, how on earth do you multiply in COVID? It was like insulate, isolate, you know, be by yourself. And so I was a little discouraged at first, but God has revealed a strategy and a plan for us as a church to multiply. So if you are in the chat right now, I want you to say amen, because God is going to grow our church through COVID in Jesus' name. Uh, the, me the message is over, let's see, this is our seventh installment of the series so we started out just kind of uh, making sure that we're letting go of the old. You know, a lot of times we, we don't experience the new thing God wants to do because we're holding on to too tightly the old thing, the way it used to be. And uh, one of the messages that I gave was new is better. New is better. I mean, new shoes are better. New clothes are better. All the girls in this room right now agree with me. And so we talked about new is better. And then Pastor Devin came along, did a great job, did a two kind of message uh, sequel to uh, one after the other, and he talked about the, the heart of a soul winner and the habits of a soul winner, and we talked about, well, I won't go through all these, but we talked about, you know, the characteristics of fruitfulness. What does it look like? Fruit is not meant to eat itself and rot. Fruit is for other people, and we're supposed to be fruitful. And, and even up to last week, which was probably my favorite message personally because it's one that I put to work uh, on a regular basis or need to. And we just talked about the parable of the fig tree. So if you weren't here last week, I just want to ask you because to go back and listen to that message. Go to our YouTube channel and look up the message uh, from last week. It's going to help you. How do you grow yourself? How do you grow others? You're going to need three solutions, kind of like, you know, three ways that we grow ourselves. We got to dig it out, we got to fertilize, and we got to give it some time. So that was, a, that was an important message. But uh, today I want to talk to you, um, and I'm going to entitle the message today, Made to Multiply. Come on, everybody. Made to Multiply. Now, I'll start with a story. Um, most of you guys know uh, that we have a bunch of kids. We have four kids, and we have soon to be three grandsons. Um, and so, um, but when we were first married, Stacy and I, with, and she was pregnant with Devin, um, we were so, first of all, excited because it was our first coming, uh, you know, and we were enthralled with the whole growth process and, you know, seeing, you know, Stacy's body change and, you know, all the things that go with that. You, some of you guys know what that's like because you, you've been in a COVID world, so so many people are pregnant right now. But anyway, some of you um, remember also when it culminated around the delivery time. You know, you're in that third trimester. We're getting ready. It's go time. Water breaks. We hit the hospital. And I remember going to the hospital, and my wife said something to me. Ladies, you won't believe this, that I'll never forget. She said, honey, she said, whatever you do, don't let me get any pain medicine. 
<laughs> what? I remember thinking to myself, you gotta, she goes, no pain medication. I don't want to take any pain medication. And my first thought when that happened was like, oh, no, you don't. No, 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 no. You're not going to put that responsibility on me in the labor room, you know, because I know there's going to be a time where you kind of hit your threshold of pain and you're going to be looking for a doctor. You're going to be, you're going to, you're going to be looking for some pain meds and you're going to ask for them. And then I'm supposed to come back to you and remind you and say, baby, remember we decided in advance we're not going to have any pain meds. Don't, don't get, don't doctor, don't get her any of those pain meds. No, no, no. You know, if I did that in that moment, I had, in, I had visions when she said that. I had visions that her eyes would be blazing fire from the bowels of hell and that she would grab my throat and take my man parts and pull it through her esophagus and just be like, what are you talking about? Of course you better give me those pain meds, you know? No way. And so that was my first thought. But my second thought was, dang, baby, you're like a G.I. Jane like you are tough. You are you're like Rambo's wife. You are <laughs> you are one tough senorita that you would even plan, plot, consider not having uh, any pain meds. Well, truth is, we really never got to that point. She didn't threaten me. Um, praise be to Jesus. Uh, Stacy, uh, she never really hit her threshold. Uh, let me put it this way: she smashed right through it. Okay, and I'll never forget that she delivered our son Devin without any meds. And I remember telling her that day, over and over in her ear, as we were going through this process, "Baby, you were made for this, honey. You are made for this." And I'm rubbing her back, and you know all, all the little things. And every now and then, she'd give me a kind of a snarl, but. I was telling her, you were made for this. You were absolutely, and, and what I was saying in essence to her is, honey, you were, you were made to multiply. You were made to multiply. And so that's the title of today's message. By the way, consequently, she'd be so mad that I'm telling this story. Secondly, uh, she did have some light meds later in future pregnancies, so she, she just wants everybody to think, you know, she's not all that in a bag of chips. But I think she's a baby machine. So uh, it's my time on the mic, and I'm telling the story, and that's how it goes. But the truth is, we were all made to multiply. We're all made to multiply. And here's what God says in the very beginning in the creation process in Genesis 1.11. Genesis 1.11. It says, God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. Remember these two words, produce and seed according to their various kinds, and it was so. So my big idea kind of as we kick this off is that everything God created, he created for it with the ability to multiply. Everything God created, he created with the ability to multiply. And everything um, that God created has seed in it to multiply. Everything he created, he created to multiply, and everything that he created has the seed in it for it to multiply. You have a seed in you. I have a seed in me that was created to multiply. You and I will always reproduce or have the potential to reproduce what we are. Not, some, not somebody else, but who and what we are. A cardinal doesn't produce a crow. You know, you, you, know, you don't see a robin produce, you know, an eagle. No, we all produce according to our kinds and our type. In verse 12 in Genesis, it says, and the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and the trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, 
And God saw that it was good. So notice, though, that in this uh, early creative account that God didn't create, he didn't create, create everything. God created everything with the thing in it for more of the thing. God created everything with the thing in it for more of the thing. That's a really powerful statement, but it's odd to say it. But inside all of God's creation is the capacity, the seed, the DNA for it to multiply. And this isn't just true with plants. This is also true with people. When God made mankind, it was the same. In verse 27, he said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created them. In other words, he put the seed inside of man to produce more man, to produce more of mankind. He gives us the ability to increase, to multiply in every way. Look what he says in verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said to them, by the way, uh, he says these words. These are some of the first words that he ever said out of his mouth. He said, be fruitful and increase. Some of the first words out of God's mouth were uh, increase. Everybody here say increase. Everybody out there say increase. Come on, increase. So he wants us to increase. And he actually says in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Now, when I was in a seminary, the, the professor taught what was called the law of first order. What does that mean? It basically means that first things matter. First things matter most. The law of the first says, whatever is said first tells you a lot about God, what is important to God. And so, therefore, if that's true, the main message, it could be said, the main message uh, of God to humanity is, go take what I put inside you and multiply it. Go take what I put inside you and multiply it. That was kind of like, and by the way, it was more than making babies. He wasn't, in fact, we can see this within the context of the text, that we're called to live uh, thinking and behaving and producing generationally. We're supposed to be multiplicative. We're supposed to be reproducing life. God was like this because even, his, even when he's described in the scriptures, he's described as the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. He was a, he was a generational God, a relational God, uh, a multipli multiplicative God. So any, every one of us has the call of God on us uh, DNA, like you could say, put in, seed put inside of us to do something multiplicative. But there's one thing you know about this process, and, and, and I think people think this um, uh, in, in these kind of conversations. Why doesn't it happen that much? If we all have the call of God to multiply, why doesn't it happen that much? Uh, trees, trees multiply. They cross-pollinate. Animals find their mate. Uh, humans have to be intimate to multiply, but for us to multiply, the reason we don't see it the way we need to see it is because it requires intimacy. Intimacy is required for multiplication. That's why sometimes it's not happening is because there's a lack of intimacy. So if you ever wonder why there isn't more multiplication in your life or in the life of others around you, don't think that the seed isn't there. The seed is there for you to multiply. Uh, but, but there's something else that's required. It's, requ it's required that there be an intimacy, that there be connection. And we'll talk about that as we go forward. But what happens is Satan knows this. 
And so he comes in, and it's his goal to get between God and you and you and others and interfere with that multiplicative process. And so he will cause or he will, uh, he will uh, orchestrate some uh, wound, some betrayal, some kind of a, a hurt or something like that to get people from getting close in order for people to be able to multiply. And that's why at church, here at Connect, we do everything we can uh, to try to help people. You know, not only know God, but find freedom in relationships and, and uh, grow in those relationships with each other and get to a place where somewhere in the course of those relationships, you can take the mask off. <laughs> and I'm saying that figuratively because it, there are times where we have to keep our mask on right now. But in a relational sense, we need to get to a place where we can come out. Let me say it this way. We can come out from behind the fig leaf. Another figurative statement, of course. So if you're wearing clothes, you keep your clothes on, just like you keep your mask on. But we, we get real. We get uh, transparent. We get um, honest. Uh, we get into environments where there's truth-telling and grace-giving in balance, and, and they coexist. And so I'm on a mission in this, in this season that we're in to get this type of um, um, DNA in our church, this type of seed activated within our church because we need to get in relationship with someone in order to get to a place where you could say to someone, um, guess what? <laughs> you want to know what's really going on? Let me tell you. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me come out from behind the fig leaf here and let you know what's really going on. See, I, I, I think we need that desperately in order for us to multiply. It's required. Intimacy is required in order for us to grow and multiply. Now, here's a theological point that complements this principle, and that's those scriptures I gave you a little while ago. This is from Hebrews chapter 6. And I, I really wrestled with talking about this in a COVID culture, but I'm going to do my best with this. But Hebrews 6.1 says, Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about baptisms. So just so you know, this is talking about different elementary teachings that we need in order to be uh, a mature and growing Christians. And then it says, and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are critical the uh, doctrines of the faith. Of the six listed there, perhaps one that is less appreciated or underappreciated is the topic of the laying on of hands. It's also misunderstood a lot as well. And so kind of a, a definition that we could put to this because there's a lot of different ways that this applies, the laying on of hands sometimes to anoint and appoint a leader like David in the Bible, or you could see elders you know, in Scripture and things like that. But, uh, but there's other applications of the laying on of hands for the recovery of the sick. And, and, but it has a more, from a 30,000-foot view, basically the definition of the laying hands is that everything in the kingdom of God is relationally transferred. Everything in the kingdom is relationally transferred, preferably by personal contact uh, from another believer that possesses what something inside of them, seed inside of them, that needs to be transferred to someone else. 
Does that make sense to everybody out there? So the, every, the laying on of hands is so important and undervalued because it's, it's basically everything in the kingdom is relationally transferred by personal contact. And there's seed inside someone, you, that needs to be uh, transferred to somebody else. And how is it done? Intimacy, the laying on of hands, personal contact. And this is a secret to generational blessings. This is a secret to uh, freedom that people need. This is a secret to uh, fulfillment of prophecy. The message of the Bible is to be fruitful, to multiply, to get intimate, to get close, and have lots of uh, spiritual babies, as it were, taking over the world by seeing the multiplication of our lives in others and seeing the gospel uh, you know, preached throughout the world. Um, and, and so remember this. Everything in the kingdom is relationally transferred. So in a COVID world, I just pause. This is kind of off book. Um, I would just say we've got to crack the code on that. So while we might not literally be able to lay hands on people, we do have to have personal interaction and personal transfer. Sometimes things are transferred not literally by the laying on of hands. They're transferred like um, by it being in proximity to a person. Um, doing life with people, sharing your life with people, sharing your story with people, because a lot of times people aren't relational because, A, the devil's trying to interfere. Sometimes we're not relational because uh, previous touch experiences have been bad, but touch can be uh, the, 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 the story of another person that really touched you and changed you. Touch can be uh, this person left a mark on me. Uh, because of the way that they live their life. That's a transfer that is, uh, in essence, the message of the laying on of hands. And so I can look over my life, you can look over your life, and you can see or not see this principle and its effects upon you. People who have touched my life, people who have transferred something to me. I wrote these down, like my daddy. My daddy transferred faith to believe for things that don't exist. Boldness. None of this... We, this where, we, where I'm standing right now and, and other, um, I don't want to overemphasize, but other physical assets that are within my jurisdiction. My daddy, there was no archdiocese that funded this. It was by faith. He saw it, came to be, and, 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 and we, we, we believe God for things. Uh, Billy Hornsby uh, was a mentor to me. It's past, my pastor's uh, father-in-law. And one of the things that I, I knew him for many years before he went home to be with Jesus at 61 years old, unfortunately, but he, he had a lot of physical ailments, but he never had a bad day. Never, ever complained. And I mean, not once. Just incredible when you think about that. I remember being at his memorial and uh, 10, 12 people testified. Never heard Billy have a bad day. And yet he had tons of physical problems. He just never complained. That left a mark on me. You know, uh, Pastor John Burns, one of my overseers, is, um, I call him the human tigger of the tiger. Human, you know, he, he just bouncing around. He's got the most positive attitude. He's 62 years old. You know, life's a wonderful thing. The wonderful thing about life is, you know, he just, he just sounds like tigger of the tiger to me. I don't know. He's just always positive. Uh, Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, many of you know who he is. He's one of my overseers. He has the heart of the shepherd. He cares for people, like, deeply, like, you know, it, it this isn't a business to him. This isn't like a, a task to him. Um, and, and he taught me about generosity, extreme generosity. And Chris Hodges, my pastor, who I referenced just a little, you know, um, a little while ago, he, he, he's the guy who transferred something to me, which I would call it putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, you know, where there's so many things in this world that are complicated, and he would just break them down, oversimplify them so anybody can understand them. And I just, he, it got, that, got, that got on me. 
that God in me, uh, this ability to simplify. My wife, you know, her strength and her grit, you know, and her tenacity to, to do the right thing and raise champion children. And Pastor Randy Bazette, you know, taught me what it means to be a true friend. I'm just trying to get you to see that everything in the kingdom of God is relationally transferred and it is multiplicative. And here's my point. You're supposed to live your life in close proximity to other people so that what God put in them is transferred to you. And what God put in you that, that is of him is transferred to other people and, and so that things can grow and things can multiply. And so I think the best thing we can do is we can make a commitment that we're going to pour our lives into other people. Uh, one of the things that I've been emphasizing is you know, each one reach one and, and fully engage in the local church and, and have a missional mindset. But one of the things that's a part of that is just, just pouring out your life, like just selflessly serving other people, having an other's focus. So how, Pastor Derek, do I multiply myself? I want to give you three. This is super simple. I almost want to apologize for how simple this is, but super simple on how I can multiply myself. If you're getting something out of this, come on, say amen in the house of God. Okay, so number one, all right, how do I multiply myself? This is what I try to do with other people to the best of my ability. I learn this from other people, and you can see this in the Word. Number one, you got to see people as, uh, you know, as they could be, not as they are. you got to see people as they could be, not as they are. Now, I've, you know, at a very early age in ministry, I realized that there was a lot of things that I couldn't see the way they, and, and, and they weren't the way they needed to be. And so God gave me this little phrase, you got to put on God glasses. I had to get to the point where I could see through God's eyes the potential, see with the eyes of faith. Because one of the worst things we can do is size people up by what we see on the outside. If that happened to me, I promise you I'd never be standing here today. If I allowed what people saw on the outside to determine my potential and what God, the seed that God had put inside of me. I used to have, you know, kids from my high school when I grew, when I was going to high school here in the area. And they'd come to visit Connect and, they'd, and they would be shocked to see that I was standing here, you know, teaching people. And uh, because they saw the outside and they saw and looked through the lens of my past. But God sees through the lens of your future, and God sees through the inside and the identity that he put in you in Christ Jesus. And because of that, I can say, even though I wasn't the best student, now I'm the teacher. And I wasn't, and at one time I was afraid to get in front of people, and, and I, I remember being at, in seminary, and I was told by a seminary professor that I, I would never be a good preacher. I would be a terrible preacher. And this is a testimony, but I was just talking to our partner in um, Pakistan, Many of you guys know who he is. And he, he just told me that our, our prophecy series was just in front of 2.1 million people last month. And so we just went from, you know, a guy who they said couldn't preach, a guy who they said, you know, um, wouldn't be a good teacher. And somehow, by the glory of God, it's been multiplied way beyond what I could ever ask or imagine. So uh, they were looking, my high school friends were looking at who I was, not on who I could become. And so I would say to you, great leaders look at someone and they say to themselves, there's a rock star inside of her and there's a champion in the making inside of him. And, and I, I remember, you know, studying, uh, you know, a little bit about Michelangelo. Some of you guys, you know, know in the 14th century, all the artistic work and even po he wrote 300 poems, some 
Some people don't realize that. But when he was, uh, you know, sculpting out of clay, uh, David, he said this. He said, the sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It's already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. <laughs> so this idea didn't originate with Michelangelo. It originated, it originated with God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In other words, he created you and I to do something even before we came to be. So when we came to be, he can see what we were called to do inside of who we are. He sees that masterpiece. So he wants us to basically, in the context of relationship and personal, let's say, contact and and transference between people, he wants us to chisel out the David inside each one of us and carve that out of each one of us, out of the marble of, uh, of, our real, of, of our, the real you come out of us, the God part of us come out of us, the unseen becomes seen uh, through the course of life and relationship. And that's only possible when people are seeing you, not as you are, but as you could be. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So there's an evidence that isn't even seen yet in the kingdom. Because God sees with his eyes. And we need to have God glasses on to be able to see the way he does. I had a um, kind of a second grandfather. My, grand, my grandfather died of a heart attack many, many years ago when I was a young boy. And then my grandmother got a boyfriend. And they never got married. They could have got married. We, we, saw, them, we saw them as just two peas in a pod, but his name was Eddie. And Eddie was just the most awesome man. Uh, you know, he was a professional baseball player, one time a boxer. And I remember him coming up to me. He loved me so much. He was, I mean, he just, I can't even say enough about his impact, the transfers. But I remember him coming up to me one time and saying, son, I see an incredible, I see a great leader inside of you. And he, and he said, he grabbed me and he said, Derek, and he would shake a little bit because he, he was older. And he said, Derek, I want you to know something. What you are to be, you are now becoming. And he wasn't even like, like a really mature Christian, but he was like prophesying over me. And I can remember just as a young man, like, what did he just say? And he goes, and don't forget it, minute by minute. So he saw something inside of me. He was calling it out, and then he was telling me, you just need to know for a fact there's greatness inside of you. Now I want you to take every day. The success isn't in a day. It's in the daily. And I want you to chisel that great champion. I want you to chisel that out of you in the course of life, in the course of relationships. I want you to find it. I want you to carve it out. I want you to live that out every single day. And I've tried to do this with my kids. And I tried to do this with my grandkids even more intentionally. And, and I can remember when my kids would mess up, and uh, periodically they would. Um, and, and basically I would come to them and I would say, you know what, this is what you did, Devin. I'll just choose him. This is what you did, Devin, but this is not who you are. This is not who you are. Because I knew and Stacy knew that there was a giant and that there was a champion and there was a rock star inside this young boy who on the outside was failing or on the outside would fall, on the outside would make mistakes. But it's our job to call out those things that be not as though they were. And we'll get back to that in just a minute. So we all have to make choices in order for that to happen. How we look at people. Are we going to look at people through their mistakes and through their failures and through their, their flaws and, and through their humanity? Or that the vantage point that we look at people will either produce or reduce that person. 
the vantage point, the stance that we take about the circumstance that we see will determine whether we reproduce in them or we reduce them. And so this is, this is so true in my story. And I, I don't have time to, t- to tell you all of this, but I, I can remember God giving me these many, many choices in my life, you know, and how I was going to respond to some of my mistakes. And, and God would look through these situations and he would see it through a different set of eyes than everybody else around me. And occasionally he put people in my life who would help me see a different way. And, and, and to the extent that I would accept what was said and make that choice to look at it that way, I would grow and I would change to the extent that I wouldn't, I wouldn't. And so to multiply others, you must see people through different eyes. Number two, uh, you have to say what you see. Now, I've sort of done this a little bit already uh, or implied it. You have to not just see it, but you have to say what you see. You got to get in the, the practice of calling things out that you see as though they were. And this sometimes seems ingenuine or um, duplicitous maybe at times, but we have to see things through a kingdom lens. Romans 4.17 says it like this. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. And he's basically saying to Abraham, you can be a father, a multiplier. He's our father in the sight of God in, ho- in whom we have believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. This means that you can, uh, you can just speak to people in faith. That's not duplicitous. That's not um, ingenuine. That's not, you're not lying when you do that. You can say to somebody, I see greatness inside of you. I see a champion inside of you. I see the best for you is yet to come. But PD, there's no evidence of that. No, that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, Right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We're supposed to speak to those things by faith. And, a lot of, and we're calling out what's inside, not looking and focused on what's outside. We're calling out the sculpture in people. And a lot of people struggle with this. And that's why sometimes marriages fall apart. And that's sometimes why relationships decompose and deconstruct is because we don't know how to speak and say things that we see. We need to say the, if we see what God sees and then we say those things. When I was a uh, 19-year-old, I think I was a 19-year-old. That's about right. Azuz, I was at a revival meeting in 1988. I was 19 or 20 years old. And I went to this conference <clears throat> with my girlfriend and my father. And I've told this story before, so I'll summarize. But I can remember I was called out of the seat. It would be like, there's a preacher here, and he calls one of you guys out of the crowd and puts you up here. In this case, there was 9,000 people there, okay? So just a, a little bit bigger than this meeting. And, and he calls me down front, and I can remember cameras all around me. And, he, and literally, he pulled, looked up to the crowd and said, you young man with the blue shirt and the maroon tie, God has a word for you. I want you to come down here. I was like, What? And they don't know this, but I've been praying and fasting for God to speak to me because I never heard his voice. And so they come down, and he just he goes, tell me your name, and say, say my name. And he says, I have a word for you. He says, you know, in so many words, I have this on cassette. I've kept this thing my whole life. And he basically said, um, there's a hand that's great that's upon you. And there's a seed of greatness within you. And the prayers of people that have gone before you are catching up with you now. And the greatness that's inside of you is meeting the prayers that are outside of you. And God is getting ready to do a mighty work in you. And you will be used. And he, told, and he started telling all these things that I'm going to be used. I'm going to be speaking to people. I'm going to be doing these different things. And I, honestly, this sounds a little weird to some of you that are listening online. I actually fell. I just fell out under the power of God. I couldn't even stand up. 
And I remember waking up and opening my eyes, and there were cameras right there. I was like, ah! I'm like, I'm going to go back to sleep. Uh, but it was a powerful moment. And I can remember being in that situation and, and, this, and, and what this man said to me. And honestly, what he said at the time was not true. It was not true at all in any way, shape, or form. But it did something to me. It spoke life into my being. It set a new course and trajectory. Just yesterday, I was, I was meeting with a young man I haven't seen in about six or seven years, and I, and I had to set him straight in a few things, but I had to speak life into him. And he texted me after, and he just says, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm restarting. I feel like I'm getting a fresh start again. I was like, praise God. I know that sometimes words from, and personal interactions with people can, can reset people, can set the course and trajectory of their life. But this man on that stage on that day in 19, 1988, he called something out of me that has come to fruition today. It's amazing. Uh, and so on and on I could go about different examples uh, that, that have affected me. But he, he said what he saw, and it multiplied. He said what he saw, and it multiplied. So you got to say something. you, know, you got to say something positive to your kids every single day. you got to say something positive to your spiritual sons and daughters uh, that are in your life and pour into them as well. There's only two times in the Bible that the Father and Jesus have a conversation that's recorded. We know they talked, but we don't know what they said except for two occasions. The one occasion is at the baptism of Jesus, and the other one is at the transfiguration of Jesus. One is in Matthew 13, and one is in Matthew 17. And in Matthew 13, Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water, and then... This amazing thing happens, you know, kind of the sky opens up and a light comes down upon Jesus and then the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove falls upon Jesus' head and then God speaks, hello, God speaks and says, this is my son uh, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. He says three things, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. He's basically saying, you're in my family, you're, you're accepted. Uh, he affirms him, says, you're gonna, you're, 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 I'm pleased with you. You're doing great things. And then, then, he, he, and then he, he says, you're loved, you're, whom I love. So he gives affection, affirmation, and acceptance. In the Mount of Transfiguration story, uh, there's another addition. He says the same thing there at the Mount of Transfiguration. And the final thing he says in that text, he says, and, and listen to him. So he even gives him authority. So you see this, you see this transfer this, where God speaks life into his son. You'd think of the two times you would hear something else. You'd just hear those three things in that little bonus one in, in uh, Matthew chapter 17. We all need to, to say what we see. And if you really want to take it up another notch, do it publicly. Do it publicly. Paul did this in all his letters to other people. He would do these shout-outs. All these, uh, he'd do these shout-outs to all these Greek people. You know, they had all these weird names, you know, like eucalyptus and platypus. And I don't know how you say their names, but those, that's how I always read them, you know. And he's like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I want to, eucalyptus, I want to thank you for, you know, the, you know, the gifts that you gave me and, and for visiting me and bringing me a blanket and platypus, thank you too. And anyway, but he always did these public shout-outs. All these shout-outs. And whenever my, my wife would preach or my son would preach, you know, I'd always be the first one. I always want, my goal was to be the first one to do a shout-out and to recognize, you know, what they did. That's multiplicative. 
Okay, so you got to speak things that be not as though they were. And the last, the last point is, number three, is to start a process. To start a process. Whenever you get together with people, start this process where, where, where you, 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 see, you see things, you say things. And I'm basically calling every person in this church to get together to pour your life out into the lives of other peoples and do it in the context of a group. To do it in the context of a group. Look at the scripture from Romans chapter 1. Um, Romans 1.10 says, One of the things I always pray for is this opportunity. God willing to come at last and see you. Is it COVID during that time? He's like, Fine, can, I, can I please see some people? And then he says, For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gifts that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Then he says, when we get together, so there's an assumption that they would gather, they would get together at a house, at a coffee shop, whatever, you know, and share, share your lives and share your struggles. He says, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. See, that's, what, that's the life I'm talking about. I want you to start a process of doing life with other people where you're gathering, you're connecting. And you may not feel comfortable right now because of COVID, and so I don't do anything to violate anybody's conscience, but I would just encourage you that God wants to multiply, and in order for that to happen, there's a transference that takes place when people gather, when people get together. And so as you feel comfortable, I want to tell you we're doing church safely, we're doing life safely, we're going to be doing groups safely. And so I want to encourage you to get in a group. Uh, if you are... Um, a part of the Connect Church family, on September 20th, we, we launched small groups. I'm believing we're going to have somewhere between 50 and 60 groups launching this fall. If you are a leader, so one of the best ways to grow, by the way, is to be in a group. An even better way to grow and multiply is to lead a group. If you go to our Facebook page, uh, I'm going to do a shout out to Justin Davis. did a great video on how leading a small group only three months in the church changed his life. I want to encourage you, just like him, I promise you as I stand here today, one of the most beneficial, influential, life-changing things I've, I've ever done that have prepared me for life in ministry was to lead a group. And, and so why is it so hard? I think a lot of us are saying amen in our heads or even in the chat, but, but we sometimes still don't do it. You know why? It's because there's something that got in the way. And it was either the devil, it was either somebody being used by the devil, there was some wound, there was some, there was some difficult thing that happened, and you put your guard up, and you put a wall up, and, and, and you basically said it out loud or inside, that's never going to happen to me again. I'll never get that close to anybody else again, and so I'm not going to do it. And so you carry those things into your, and you get close, but you don't get that close. I'm, I'm encouraging you to get close with people. And I'm not saying you have to touch people to get close. I'm saying you come out from behind the fig leaf. You come out from behind the mask, and you get real, and you get honest with other people. Because otherwise, those hurts and those hang-ups will continue to uh, restrict you and, and siphon life from you and take away the opportunity for you to grow and multiply. I've had many things happen to me that have hurt me, especially words. And, um, and, and, and basically, how did I get over it? I made a choice. I made a choice that in order for me to grow, I was going to have to be intentional with my relationships, that the best relationships don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose. And in order for me to grow, I had to get into what I call structure relationships. I don't know anybody in there. It wasn't about fit. It wasn't about chemistry. It wasn't even about fun. It was about growth. 
It was about multiplication because some of the first words out of God's mouth were be fruitful and multiply. I want to challenge you wherever you are to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of kind of that, that even that hurt zone and get, enroll in a relationship, make a choice that you can't grow unless you're doing life with other people and you're sharing your lives with other people. I hope this message has ministered to you and helped you. I want you to just kind of see it. I want you to say it. And I want you to start it. Let me pray for you wherever you are. Wherever you are in the world today. I know some people are listening around the world. Some people are listening locally. Some people are listening right here. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name for every single person that's at that point of um, kind of a line of demarcation, that point of decision. Lord, that you would help them kind of move out of that comfort zone. Lord, there's people that are, you know, doing life about a lot of other things that actually don't bring life. They actually take it. It's actually toxic. It actually steals and kills and destroys. Lord, I pray that we would see that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that you want us to get together with one another, that we can't actually grow if we're not in fellowship. We, we can have friendship with people, but it, but it cannot be greater than or primary or over in importance to fellowship with other believers. Lord, help people to make that change. Make, and I just challenge them to move, to take that next step, to get into a small group. And if you're a leader, and, and by the way, if you have any influence, you're a leader. I want to encourage you to get to a place where you're leading other people and sharing with other people your faith, and your life. Father, I thank you for this church. I pray that you bless everybody for being here today and listening to your word. Change them. Uh, meet their every need in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you guys real soon. Amen.